Welcome to the Ordinary Investors Podcast with your hosts, Sean and Leah Baker. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ordinary Investors Podcast. Today, we have special guest Cody Smith. Cody is a realtor with McKay Realty Network. He's also a podcast host of NM Investing Podcast and Investor. Hi, Cody. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Leah. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Cody. Uh, would you be able to share with everybody uh, how you got started in real estate investing or investing in general? Just bring us back to the beginning and what that looked like. Yeah, um, I'll try and give you guys the cliff notes because it's uh, probably a pretty long story. So, um, yeah, for those of you that are thinking that don't know my story and I got started investing about six years ago as we record this. So back 20, 2017, early 2017. I uh, just graduated at a university. Um, I knew I wanted to get into real estate investing. I just didn't know how to. I honestly was never even around people that were investing into real estate. I just knew real estate was a great investment model and a good way to build wealth over time. So ended up buying my first property, first like personal house, single detached house. It was about 700 square feet. I still remember walking through the house and my dad was like, please do not buy this house. And I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. This is great. It was a uh, two bed, one bath, needed a ton of renovations, had a, a massive lot on it. And uh, I come from a construction background and did construction for years before I uh, got full time into real estate. So I, I knew I could get into the property and kind of do a lot of the renovations myself. So went in and the market definitely helped with that house, but ended up going in, lived in there for three years and just slowly did renovations. Um, yeah, sold that house, turned that around and basically doubled my money from that property. Uh, took that money and went into and bought a duplex. I uh, wasn't planning to live into it, but I had nowhere else to go. Um, I came home that day and, uh, yeah, basically sold the house and had nowhere else to go. So I had to quickly buy, buy a duplex and moved from St. Catharines to Hamilton. Lived in that while I was renovating the upstairs. And uh, yeah, I wasn't planning to flip that, but fully renovated it and kind of sat on it. And uh, I wasn't able actually to get refinancing on that property. So um, wasn't able to pull my money out to be able to scale, scale like the traditional burr method that we all talk about. So um, I was like, either I keep it, hold all my money into it, or try and sell it and, and scale with the money that I was going to get. So ended up making making some good money on that property and just kind of went into bigger multifamilies and doing a lot more JV partnerships. And yeah, that's kind of where uh, where I am today. Awesome. And so when you got into the JV partnerships, what did that look like uh, for you? Yeah, so it originally started out as uh, a 50-50 partnership on um, on equity and into capital investments as well. So the first JV partnership I ever did, it was a 50-50 split on, uh, on capital. So um, I brought half the capital, so to the JV partner, we, we split the equity 50-50. And uh, yeah, it's still in the midst of doing construction on there. We actually had um, a massive fire on that property that we've been dealing with for the last uh, year or so. 
So we've been dealing with that. The uh, the other JV partnerships that, that we've done has been just strictly giving out equity um, and having capital partners come in. So not using any of our own money anymore for any of these projects. And uh, that's kind of how our JV structures have gone. We're starting to get out of that model now, though. Um, to be truthful, I'm, I'm not really happy giving up 50% equity of these properties of people coming in with capital. I think one of the biggest mental mind blocks I had before was no, just the lack of, I guess I mostly had scarcity, right? It's knowing, well, where am I going to get this money? Why are people going to lend me this money? But the more you start branching out and networking, you start realizing that there's a lot of private lenders out there that are willing to give you money. And as long as the numbers make sense, you know exactly you know what you're doing and how to run those numbers. We're looking at projects now where we can get into full burrs, single family houses with these conversions using private lending and coming out and still making a healthy profit, keeping that property and, and cash flowing at the end of the day without sharing that equity with anybody else. So that's kind of the model that we're going into and kind of getting out of that traditional JV structure. Uh, that's fantastic. No, it's definitely a lot more challenging when you're satisfying the needs of somebody else that's coming in there um, as that 50, 50 equity partner when uh, you know, you can just, pay that return on investment to them and be able to be accountable to yourself and be able to have that tied to a deal somewhere where the money is protected, but um, you know, you're getting a little bit more on the reward side of things and not having that relationship for five years. Right. Um, and uh, the one thing yeah. that you had mentioned going back to the beginning that uh, you got into this whole space by pretty much house hacking at the very beginning. Um, where looking at making that duplex conversion or doing a renovation and uh, uh, being able to uh, start out with the burr model. Was that voluntary? Like you knew about the burr model before you started getting into investing or um, what did that look like at the very beginning? Yeah, if I'm being honest, I mean, I went into that property knowing about the burr method, about the model. Um, Kind of went in with rose-colored glasses, if I'm being completely honest. When I look back at that property and that decision, I was like, yeah, I can get in there. I'll house hack it, refinance it, and go out and buy another duplex. And in the midst of the renovations, I end up finding my JV partner. And uh, we end up talking a lot more about getting into you know bigger multifamilies. And at that point, I'm like, why am I sticking to you know two doors or three doors? I mean... I, it just makes so much more financial sense to get into these bigger multifamilies. And I started really questioning myself. I'm like, do I have the credentials to, you know, really go into these bigger multifamilies? Like, you know, I've done construction in, in duplex conversions and single family houses for like the majority of my, I guess, professional career. But, you know, I've never really got into these like apartment buildings up until about a year and a half ago now, two years ago. But the numbers just made so much sense. So, I'm like, I'd rather fail forward and go into those bigger projects. But yeah, I mean, starting out, it was definitely those duplex conversions and, and house hacking, right? Like, I didn't even know what I was doing five years ago of buying that single family house. I just kind of got into the market, knew that if I renovated it, that it'd be worth more money at the end of the day. And I just kind of failed forward after that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like uh, calculated risks going into it. I guess uh, what I'm hearing is that in the multifamily space, there might be a bigger uh, 
bigger capital that you're putting in there where you're risking a little bit less capital with that duplex conversion or going into the smaller single family duplexing route um, where it's a little safer of an investment and you know you get that appreciation over time regardless so uh, your, your money's a little bit more safeguarded in that sense exactly yeah i tell investors you know whether they're my clients friends family you know you only lose on real estate when you sell if you sell in the short term i'm i'm not a huge advocate for flipping or short-term rentals just because there's not a lot of consistency there it's high risk high reward right but as we all know in southern ontario if you would have bought a house 20 30 years ago and kept it like if you would have bought in 89 when the market was down and you kept it for six months and sold it, yeah, you probably would have lost money. But if you kept it to 89 up until now, would you have made money? Absolutely. Right. So it's people always look at, well, you know, what's a short term play in real estate? Real estate's not a short term play or it shouldn't be. It's long term thinking, right? Where's this property going to be worth in five years, 10 years, 15 years? Set it and forget it. Don't look at it. <laughs> That's great advice. Holy agree with you on that <laughs> yeah um question for you so you were talking about um multifamily. what does that look like now you had mentioned apartment buildings how big are these apartments that you're buying now and are they are you buying um like commercial buildings or is it all still like residential what does that look like yeah so um up until today actually we, we've changed the model a little but um that's not really set in stone yet so i can't share too many details of that I, I wish i could but um you know up until today we were buying um bigger multifamily units so anything five units and above anywhere in southern ontario so we were looking at places and we still are we're looking at places like kitchener london um windsor's been a huge um x on the map for us for for a couple months now um I'm very bullish on Windsor, especially with the development and the infrastructure that they're building out there. And not only there, it's Detroit. Detroit is, you know, really booming and is going to be booming in the next five years. So, I mean, Easter egg for you guys, anyone listening, you know, if you're looking to invest somewhere in Southern Ontario, definitely Windsor is the place to be. But um, going back to your question, Leah, it's, yeah, anything five units and above. Like when you get into that, that CMHC MLI select program that they've come out with, I mean, the government's basically just allowing us as investors to come in and fix up these old existing properties that need to have renovations done to them, whether it be energy efficiency or accessibility, anything like that. And to be able to get a refinance of 95% loan to value with a 50 year amortization is just, I mean, it makes these buildings look so much more appealing on the refinance, especially if you're looking for scalability. And that 50 year amortization really helps carry those properties in the cash flow. You don't really have to worry about the market like you do in residential. Like if you're buying, if you would have bought a duplex conversion, you know, back in early 2022 when the market was really hot, you go in, renovate it, take six months. Well, now your ARV or your after repair value on the refinance just went down because all the comparables in that neighborhood have gone down where these buildings, you know, we bought two apartment buildings early last year in the height of the market. They're still perfect burrs. So the market's not changing for those because they're not really based upon what's selling in, in comparison. It's just based on rent roll. So if you can, 
you know, increase the the profitability of that building somehow and increase the energy efficiency, then, you know, those buildings are still such a win. So that's where we're still looking at um, those bigger multifamilies. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love the fact that uh, when you get into those, then it's just a numbers game at that point, making sure that everything fits the box and uh, that you're buying right. And, and uh, you know, your numbers on the after repair value as well. So definitely a yeah. good opportunity inside that, uh, in that. And I, I know I was excited when I saw that 50 year amortization uh, come out with the MLI select uh, program there as well. And, diving into that deeper, it's good to see what people have been able to accomplish with that as well. It's such a game changer. I, but even for people that are listening that, you know, might not even have the first investment property or even the first house, like the way I started, you know, I literally had a house with no basement. It was just literally, it was basically like a one condo just plopped on a piece of land. But you know, to be able to go into there and, and sell that and go into a duplex and just slowly scale up, that's that's where the money starts flowing, right? Like buy a house, duplex it, finish the basement, put a renter in there, help pay off mortgage, you know, refinance that house, keep that one, go do it again. Like it's it's still a numbers game at the end of the day. It's just such an easy model to to replicate, right? You don't need to have, you know, 20, 30 units to be able to live pretty comfortably. Yeah. And the, and the beauty of that too, is that your, your capital, uh, capital gains exempt if it's your own home. So yeah, uh, you know, you, you're getting all that lift and you're able to go and uh, take that money and put it into a bigger one or take that money and put it into multiples. Um, but as long as it's your own principal home, and this is something that Dan was sharing, uh, one of our other guests, uh, few weeks back that uh, that's the beauty of it. It's on your, your own home. So house hacking, right? So if you have the flexibility to be able to do that right now, um, take advantage of it while you're, uh, while you have that and you don't have, you know, where you're inconveniencing your entire family and have multiple kids at home and everything else like that, uh, do it while, you know, you still have uh, time to do that and you have the flexibility as well. Um, so, uh, Cody, if you were to strip it all back based on the knowledge that you've gained over your time investing, where would you suggest that somebody would be to start out today? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, if I had to start all over again, I, I think I would do things a little bit differently. Um, I would get into, I mean, depending on the capital, right? It's, it's incredible that you can still go into like a duplex or a triplex and Put as little as five percent down now mind you there's some criteria that you have to meet to be able to qualify for that mortgage but i mean to be able to have the rental income help you qualify for these mortgages to get into a bigger property with a higher value with a higher appreciation and be able to have rental income to subsidize your mortgage that's where i would start i mean i wouldn't recommend anybody buying you know the first house like i bought I mean, truthfully, the market helped me carry that property, right? With just the appreciation and the quick appreciation and the construction that I did to it. But yeah, I mean, house hacking is the best way to start, in my opinion. You know, get get one of these bungalows that you can find in Niagara, Hamilton, or, you know, anywhere really. Put a renter in there and just rinse and repeat and, you know, 
then it's the best retirement plan. Yeah. For me, if you don't have the capital to, to go out and buy a property or if, you know, I, I had a, a call with a young investor, he was 19 and he's like, you know, what do I do now? Like, how do I get started? And I said, go out door knocking, go, go start cold calling, networking. You find a property and you bring it to someone like me. I'll either give you a finder's fee or I'll, I'll, I'll give you equity in the property. Like it's as easy as that. There, there's no limitations. It's just only mindset. So yeah, if, if I was young and had no capital, that's what I would be doing. Speaking of mindset and uh, getting over those like mental hurdles, you had mentioned like buying in hotspots like Windsor or going as far as across the border to the States. What advice do you have for people um, who are looking to buy, but they might not have the capital, like you were saying, to buy in the current um, area that they're living? What about getting over that hurdle or that mindset of, buying in a different area where the money actually makes a little bit more sense for them? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, if you can't afford to, you know, buy into your neighborhood, um, I mean, it, it's always helpful to start in your neighborhood because you know the pockets. If you've lived there all your life, you know what's good and what's bad, right? Um, the one thing I would say is just find somebody that's really credible in those areas to be able to help you buy. I mean, to be driving around like places like Windsor, I'm calling agents that have lived there their whole life that I can trust because I don't know. I don't have the expertise in Windsor, right? I'm going to lean on them. Um, so, yeah, I, I would go that route, you know, just really lean on the experts who are in in there. Like, I mean, I sold my uh, property in Cambridge and I reached out to, to Sean, actually, because I was like, hey, man, I, I know I bought this property, but I need to sell it now. Like, what do I do with it? <laughs> you know the area better than I do. Yeah. So it's just leaning on expertise and, you know, just having that mindset that we, we, as humans, we, I, I don't know, we're, I guess it's hard to take advice sometimes and feel like we don't know everything, but you know, I'd rather take the knowledge that Sean had over the last like 20 plus years of being in real estate and knowing the area where I can drive around in five minutes and maybe make the worst decision of my life and in, in my investing career. Right. So just lean in on those people. Uh, makes total total sense. Thanks for uh, sharing that piece of advice. Um, if you were to uh, recommend some uh, uh, some resources for somebody to get started as well, uh, or some of your favorite resources, where would you? Uh, what would you recommend? Whether it be a book, podcast, uh, networking event, what would you recommend to somebody that's uh, to help them along their journey? Yeah. Um... I've read a lot of books on real estate investing, listened to a lot of podcasts, um, YouTube, just talking to people. Um, you know, there's a lot of networking events that you can go to, like, you know, Durham REI, um, you know, this podcast, Breakthrough REI, you know, all those. I, I would say the one thing that I've changed in the last six months that's really kind of exploded my overall thinking and like growth would be, um, you know, just listen to Tony Robbins and going to like those events. I mean, we were there back in November. Um, I got coaching from from Tony, um, you know, his his apps, um, just listening to that every day. And he said one really uh, deep, meaningful thing that really hit me. And it's, you know, he was like, the things that I say aren't necessarily business. They're all personal and it's all personal development. But what comes with business 
where it starts is your personal and your mindset. And if you're not healthy and in the right mindset, your business is going to be affected by it. So I don't know, for me, that's where I've been focusing on quite a bit. Um, you can know as much as you can about investing in real estate and be the smartest person. But if you don't have the mindset or the health, you're never going to be successful. 100% definitely starts with you first and uh, having to work on on yourself. I know that we're in a constant uh, growth mode here as well and and uh, personal development. and Just you're never done learning. Never done working on yourself yeah. either. I love that advice because it's so true. Like you have to start within first. You have to start with yourself. And for anybody listening, that's such great advice. Like do the inner work, take the time, do some self-development. Um, it's the biggest return on investment that we've ever seen, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Say, what was Absolutely. it? Uh, I mean so Tony had said that uh, the best investment that you can make is in yourself because it's not taxable and has the highest ROI. <laughs> yep. The government can't take that from you. No. And I mean, as we know, like getting into investing, you're, you're becoming an entrepreneur, right? Like you're building your own business. And as we all know on this podcast, if you're getting into real estate investing or starting your own business, you're, you're going to get punched more times than not, you're going to hit some hurdles and some roadblocks and it's not always, you know, going up. So, you know, having that mindset so that when those things happen, you can brush yourself back up and, you know, pick yourself back up again is just the, the biggest investment that you can make. So. Awesome. Awesome advice. Well, Cody, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Anything else that you'd like to share with anybody there uh, that's listening today? Ooh. Uh, Sean, that's such an open-ended question, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> if yeah, not, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I mean, for anybody that's listening, I think that is questioning, you know, do you get into real estate investing? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth, you know, the hurdles and, you know, the struggles? I would say, you know, I've been through a lot of struggle in the last, you know, five, six years doing real estate investing. I look back at some of the first problems that I had and some of the problems I have now. I, I mean, I would do it all over again and go through the same challenges that I did. It's incredibly rewarding going through this process if you have the right mindset for it and have a bigger outlook. Um, all I can say is, you know, just just start, just do it. There's there's no really wrong way to invest in real estate. Um, it's just it can only be the wrong investment if it's the wrong time frame. For sure. And uh, I love what you said, learning from those hurdles that you've gone through. And uh, would you mind sharing kind of what have been your, you know, some of your biggest hurdles that you've had to face along the journey? Yeah. Um, well, actually, we'll, uh, we'll bring up my most recent one. It's actually the property that I reached out to you on um, to get that property sold. So um, never, never really did a flip in my life. First flip I did was uh, with uh, good friends of mine, and it was actually that property that you and I talked about. And uh, yeah, the market went south. It was on a private private mortgage. Um, didn't really, wasn't really hands on with it. If I'm being honest, it was just, hey, can, Cody, can you go on title? We'll split the profits. They did a bunch of flips in the past. Really successful people trusted them. 
Um, so I said, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I'm too busy right now. So I'd be happy to, you know, park my, my qualifications on to you guys. And then you can just share some of the profits with me after everything's said and done. Well, I ended up getting the call one day that, uh, they were filing, filing bankruptcy and I was going to be on the hook for this mortgage. And, uh, I had to come up with $200,000 in a month and a half out of the blue. Um, for me, that's a, a ton of money. I didn't know where I was going to come up with that, that kind of cash and how I was going to even carry this property. Um, and, and until I could figure out if I was going to sell it or keep it or what I was going to do with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, long story short, end up finding that money, finding that capital was able to dispense it, take it off the private mortgage. Um, yeah, I, I learned a lot. You know, you never realize what you're capable of until you're put into a corner. Like, I didn't even think I could come up with $20,000 a year ago, and I was coming up with $200,000. So it really teaches you a lot that, you know, the only limitations that you have is, is literally your mind. And now with going through that process, we're in the, the capital raising stages of going into our, our new kind of strategy and where we're looking to raise a couple million dollars to, to buy some single family houses. So honestly, I don't think if I had that challenge of having the, the opportunity to be forced to raise that kind of capital, I don't think I'd be in the situation to raise this much money. So yeah, they're not challenges. They're just different opportunities. Having I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. It's about um, the resourcefulness, right? Not the resources that we necessarily have at our disposal, but how resourceful are you? And can you tap into other things that you thought weren't possible, right? So love that. Thank you. I love love that uh, focusing. If you had the big enough why, and it sounds like your why was really big, and you knew exactly what you need, and you're going to figure out the hows. Um, in, in order to get there. Right. So, um, that that's fantastic. And like Leah said, resourcefulness coming up with, uh, how to actually, uh, get yourself out of that situation and then learn from it, take that from a learning experience from, uh, what you went through, come up with the positives of that. And okay. So what, what skills have I built from that? And now using that to your advantage in the future. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing Cody. Yeah, absolutely. I was on a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago and uh, yeah, I just went through that, that story and um, the host was, he was, he was shocked. He was like, you know, we had people come on the show that, you know, I asked them, you know, what's your biggest hurdle? And they're like, Oh, none. He's like, no, no. Like what, what's the biggest challenge that you had? And they're like, Oh no, I've never had a challenge in real estate investing. You know, the people that don't have challenges either are lying to you or have never pushed themselves past their comfort zone right so we all go through challenges we all go through i don't even want to call them failures i mean i think you only fail if you just stop pushing through right so yeah no, it's a sure. it's not a loss it's a lesson right never a loss exactly yes <laughs> yeah. i like that Awesome. Well, I appreciate all that uh, you shared with us today. And thanks so much for coming on uh, to, to share with everybody. Uh, Cody, if anybody was to be listening today that wanted to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, if anyone listening wants to, to reach out, whether, you know, they have questions about, you know, investing or, you know, joint venture partnering or anything like that, I think the best way probably to reach me is uh, through Instagram at uh, Cody Smith underscore MRN. 
Um, if you don't want to reach me there, if you don't have Instagram, probably the best way is uh, give me a call or shoot me a text at 289-213-5738. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us, Cody. Yeah, thanks for having me on, thanks, guys. Cody. I appreciate it. We hope that you enjoyed the show today and that we brought you some value. We'd love it if you give some feedback, let us know what you think about the show and what you'd like to hear. And while you're at it, give us a follow so you don't miss out on any further episodes.